When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bottom line is these two guys really like each other. Mackey and Judd. They've formed a special brotherhood. They've said, you know what? We can do this better together than apart. On 1500 ESPN. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. If you want to join in on any of our reckless Vikings offseason speculation. We've talked a lot of quarterbacks the last couple weeks. We made our case for Teddy Bridgewater to get a real look. We've talked a lot of Kirk Cousins, so uh, if you have thoughts, Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, 651-646-8255. You can also tweet at us, at Phil Mackey, at 1500 ESPN Judd. Let's do this, all right? I said something on this show last summer. Uh, I think you mostly agreed with it. I said Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, before the season, are two of the top 15 wide receivers in the NFL going into the 2017 season. As I I recall, I didn't call you crazy. You didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, A lot of people, I actually, I went back after the season and found the tweet and some of the responses and started like retweeting the responses just to troll. And um, it's funny, like people, people were putting Kenny Britt on the list. They were, I said, name 20 receivers better than those guys. And some people were naming Kenny Britt and... (laughs) Just some of these other guys serious? that, oh, yeah, it was absurd. Uh, I think someone said Golden Tate. There might have been a Kenny Stills in there or something. Just total disrespect. All right. So I asked the question again. It's not exactly the old AT40. The countdown rolls on. Number nine. But it's definitely a countdown worth paying attention to. How do I get ranked? Now, Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Where would you put Stefan Diggs? And Adam Thielen in the top 10, 12, 15 of wide receivers. Go ahead. You uh, started the list. I'll start us off here. Yeah. I think there's a there's a definitive number one tier. And then there's like a secondary kind of. So I, I think there's four guys for sure that are just unquestionably when healthy, the top four wide receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown might be one of the three to five greatest receivers ever when it's all said and done. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins with a lot of quarterback strife, too, and he just keeps putting up crazy numbers. 13 touchdown catches mm-hmm. this year, almost 1,400 yards. Uh, he's the most targeted receiver in the NFL, too. He's just he's always, he's always open. There's a lot of garbage time, but DeAndre Hopkins is pretty darn good. And Odell Beckham Jr., I'm still going to put him in that top four when he's healthy. So hopefully he comes back and, and plays a full season again. So mm-hmm. that's my top tier. Mm-hmm. And then I think you can put, so I rank the top 12, and I, I'm going to put the next group of eight in almost any order. And I think this is where Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen reside, in this group of eight. And in, in 
I think Michael Thomas is probably fifth. So he's atop this list of eight, so he's probably fifth overall. Mm -hmm. And then to me, you can put Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Marvin Jones, who averaged 18 yards per catch in Detroit this year. Just insane. Mm -hmm. Larry Fitzgerald still has a great possession receiver. A.J. Green and Tyreek Hill and what he did in Kansas City. I think you could put those eight guys. You know, I'll put Michael Thomas at the top of that group. And then I that's where I think Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen reside in that in that group of top twelve receivers, but the second half of it. And by the way, Pro Football Focus agrees. They've got them both as top twelve receivers when you include ability to catch, run after the catch, block on running plays. And here's the question about Diggs. What happens if and when he can play an entire season? Because he's missed time the past two years. Yeah, and he gets with, dinged a little for that. Like, yeah. I think he'd be in the top five statistic- if I he mean, could play a full season and be healthy. I, I think Thielen, Thielen is is very good, and I get that, and he's reliable, and he catches balls that at times he has no business catching. That being said, I think if you got 16 games from Diggs, you would be, you would say Thielen's the second best to him. I mean, it's if Diggs could play, if Diggs could give you an, an entire season and not get dinged up, I think you'd be lo- looking at a receiver that you might put in your top four now. Yeah, Diggs. And that's a fifth uh, round pick. His 16 game average, which includes a lot of games where he did play, but he was banged up. You know, he just like had a bad hamstring. Um, we're talking 90 catches, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, and that's not even you know getting a ton of targets. Mm-hmm. He actually, when he's targeted, he's one of the highest catch percentage guys in the NFL. Uh, his catch percentage the last two years is over seventy percent when when targeted. That's pretty amazing. So in my top four, I've got I've got Antonio Brown, uh, Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Thomas. Actually, so read it again. So you've got so I've got Brown, Jones, Hopkins, and Thomas. Okay, in my top four. Uh, at five, I've got AJ Green. At six, I've got Beckham, and here's why: there's too much there's there's too much baggage there. There's too much BS. If Beckham ever just played and you didn't have to put put up with all the extracurriculars, he's in my top four, but there's always something. Uh, after Beckham then, so this would be at seven, I've got Thielen for now, then Diggs, Keenan Allen, and Dez at number 10. Okay, Dez. So See, I, put, I don't know. Dez, I put Dez in there, but he, about he's borderline now of, of a top 10. Um but Beckham, Beckham the, is the one to me because he's just there's so much baggage. See, Des Bryant gives you some baggage. You know, he's not. It doesn't seem uh, as bad as it was a couple of years ago. But he's also never healthy. And yep. God, Des Bryant is 30 years old. Yep, and that's he's why he's in the league for a long time. And he's borderline top. He's very borderline top 10 for me now. He only, in fact, in he played a full season last year. Only caught 69 passes for 838 and six touchdowns. He had the he had the 16 touchdown year in 2014 with Tony Romo, and he hasn't been the same. He hasn't gone for a thousand yards since he's been injured. So I I definitely have Des Bryant out of the top ten as a talent. He's definitely close. Yep. So you have Larry Fitz out of the mix. Yes, I do. That's a, that guy he keeps aging, 10. and he's incredible. He so, but we 10. both agree that Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are in the top yes. ten. And the remarkable thing about that is is the the uh, Treadwell, the guy that you took in the first round, could be let go. And you're and you're in our list. Two top ten guys are a fifth round pick and an undrafted guy. Yeah. What is you know? Let me look up the contract situation for Laquan Treadwell, but it ain't looking good now. He he wasn't even trustworthy enough to be on the field in big situations. And this is with Shermer, who really tried. I mean, it it wasn't 
Norv's offense where I felt like he decided that if you didn't fit, you just weren't going to play. I think Shermer really tried to give guys a chance, and Treadwell, he, he was on the field, but here's the problem. his best The best part of Laquan Treadwell's game right now is blocking. Yeah. That's what he's known. He's known for his ability right now to block. So the problem is can't if, run. if you cut him the dead cap money, there's $6 million in dead cap and then $3 million in dead cap in 2019. So unless you want to eat like $9 million in dead cap yeah, the next couple of years, yeah. you, it's it's tough to cut him until next year. And his cap numbers are pretty low. It's $2 million, $3 million. So it's worth keeping him around just to see if he pops. Uh, but, you know, after only being targeted three times last year or two years ago, he was only targeted 35 times for, for 20 receptions in 2017. And I, I think the issue about him potentially popping now is, one, one, he's behind two very good players, and two, I don't think he's going to run. No. So, I mean, what, you know, if you were, I guess if you developed him into a great possession guy, but they, they've got guys on the roster right now who are better at those jobs than he is. So what's your role here? Yeah, and then you know you could, if you wanted to, you could cut Jarius Wright, who was great on our show last week, and you could you could save like five million dollars to the cap if you cut Jarius Wright. Now you'd have to; it wouldn't be that much, I guess. You'd have to eat two million dollars. But I like him as a third guy, yeah. possession guy. He's not going to catch seventy passes for you, but if he catches thirty passes and he's reliable or has to fill in for somebody when they're injured, he's he's, he's a good, solid, reliable, reliable. number, number yes. four guy. Yes, and Treadwell, and if you cut right and basically tried to transition Treadwell into that job, you can't for one second tell me that that you know that Treadwell is going to be as reliable as Jerry's right is. Yeah, now the you don't know that the, you know the only saving grace or silver lining for for Laquan Treadwell a lot of times it's that third or fourth year for a wide receiver until they really click and figure it out. But there's just such a big leap to be made even for that to happen. Like even even with guys who don't break out until their third or fourth year, yeah. they've laid a groundwork where they've caught maybe forty passes or something, or they're out there and right. they're doing something. He's just not he's just not out what there. Do you not see, doing anything. What what do you see from his game that allows you to believe that something's gonna click? That that would be my question. Yeah, nothing. Like I remember when Jarius Wright came in the league and you saw him catch a couple deep passes and you saw him running crisp routes underneath and you thought, Oh, okay, yeah. When Adam Thielen stepped on the field for the first time three years ago, outside of special teams, when he's actually running routes three years ago, and he only caught like a few passes his first year, you thought, whoa, that guy can run a route. Mm-hmm. I remember saying out loud on the show, boy, you know, I could see him in a Patriots uniform, right? Another scrappy, Chris unheralded white guy. white guy, white receiver, like Rex Burkhead. Yep. And, you know, sure enough, that's what he became. Because you, when you saw him on the field, you said, oh, that guy can run a route. Okay, yep. he can get open. Maybe he's not the fastest, but now he's you know, now you watch him, he's fast too. To your question, when you watch Laquan Treble on the field, you say he's big. I don't know, like he can well, and block a little, and he's already blocking. You don't watch he's him and say, "Oh, okay, he can go up and get a ball," because he can't do that either. It's what what drove you crazy about uh, Cordell Cordero being forgotten about and benched was the fact that when you saw him play, you said, "Oh my gosh, the potential here is huge." I get the fact that that he can't run a route, but can't you find a role for him, like trick plays or something, which <laughs> which Shermer eventually came back and did. Yeah. Um, the issue with Treadwell is you watch him out there on the field when he gets a chance, and there's no skill set that you see besides blocking and heck, I mean, you, you could, could have uh, signed him off the street for this role. There's no skill set that you see where you say, you know, that's really going to, tra- in two years, that's going to translate to success. No, he's going to block for guys. 
Yeah, that's and, what he's going to do. And if you want just a wide receiver core of guys who can't really catch or run routes or get separation, but they can block, go look at the first two years of Brad Childress's tenure here. Do you remember Robert, Robert Ferguson? Ferguson? I was just going to bring I him. I covered up. him in Green Bay as well, and he had he got hurt a couple times when when I was covering the Packers. But poor Ferg, man, he was so beat up by the time he got here, he could run as fast as I could by then. Yep. Robert Ferguson. There was a couple other guys too. You know, they just they couldn't do anything. Yeah. And that's they what, could just that's, block downfield for Peterson. That's kind of what that Laquan, Laquan Treadwell seems like. Was it Jenkins? Michael Jenkins. Michael Jenkins, who they brought in, who had actually been good in Atlanta, but he was cooked as well. Yep. And it's like, okay. The he, end of Travis Taylor's career. Bobby oh. Wade. Like, those guys could Devin get Aroma separation. should do. Devin Aroma should do, baby. 651-646-8255. <laughs> Michael, you're on the show. What's going on, man? Well, guys, you just said that Treadwell can block. He's not terribly fast. But how about he hits the weights and we turn him into a tight end? Maybe that's the path. That's what actually you you bring up a subject that, if I'm not mistaken, two or three years ago was brought up about Cordero as well. Right, but I think Treadwell's got a little more body size. Yeah, fit, and uh, we know that he's got a history of being able to catch the ball. I mean, at a tight end position, he's got enough speed, probably. Yeah, I, I think. I, well, it's you know what if it, if it was that or he doesn't play, I think it's really easy for us to sit here and say, well, you could just move that guy to that position in a sport. Oh, we could, couldn't you just put a glove on him and put him in left field or right field, or couldn't you just couldn't you just transition that guy to this NFL position? There's so much that goes into it, you know. You know, first and foremost, starting with your hand in the grass. If you've never done and that will before, the guy do it too. Is a guy willing like to? He, he's a first round pick. If you go to him and say we're, we're going to shift you to tight end, does he say, "Oh, that's a great opportunity," or does he say, "Release me right now. I have no interest in playing tight end." Yeah, and also if you if you believe the the listed weight statistics and height so he's six foot two maybe six foot three and he's listed at 215 maybe 220 so travis kelsey for instance is six foot five 260 and incredible and it's all muscle and speed yeah exactly that's the thing about this so is you want to get can he gain whole, 40 pounds and still you know break away from linebackers i don't know <laughs> the whole the whole notion of moving uh failed receivers to tight end is very uh, 20 years ago in some ways because our entire uh, conversation the past couple of days about that position and the Vikings potentially upgrading is about what? Getting more athletic receiver-type tight ends yeah. who are really athletic. I mean, like, Kyle Rudolph, doesn't strike me in that vein. Rudolph is listed at six foot six, so let's say he has two or three, maybe four inches of height on, on a Laquan Treadwell. And uh, 250, 260 pounds as well. So you gotta you got to remember, too, if you're a wide receiver and you're a bigger wide receiver— you look bigger because you're going up against five foot eleven cornerbacks who are 190, 200 pounds. If you're a tight end, yeah, you're going up against linebackers. And in theory, if you used to play wide receiver, you could maybe outrun them. But he wasn't fast to begin with, Treadwell. Yeah, and you're go- you're going up against guys who are like linebackers aren't five foot ten. Linebackers are six foot one, 240 pounds, and they're fast, most of them. And those are the guys you're going to have to outmaneuver and. Maybe even bounce off of if you want to gain yards after the catch. So I, w- years, I would go hard pass on Laquan Treadwell to tight end. Two years in, I think it's very safe to say he's not going to work out. It's looking that way. But you're going to keep him around for contract reasons. So there's there's still time, I guess. Um, we're going to get to a scoop session with Doogie in about an hour and change from right now. We will replay the Thad Levine interview in the noon hour if you missed it. He had... He he was pretty close to the vest on you, Darvish, for obvious reasons, but he was pretty open about Miguel Sano and Irvin Santana and why they had to wait so long for the surgery. So if you missed it, we'll get back into that. 
something from the Gopher game worth discussing last night, and we are going to mock, damn it, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back, back. back. on 1500 ESPN. Final 10, Washington off the mark. Falls down hard, no whistle, and Watson across the half-court line. And that will be the game as Nebraska wins for the ninth time of the Big Ten, now 18-8. Tim Miles, his first ever win here at the barn. Dude, so the booze there, huh? God, the Gophers are now. It was it, it was the 90th anniversary of the barn last yeah. night. So if you were 90 years old or older, you got a 90 cent ticket. Well, that would have been 90 more cents probably than I'm, I'm willing to pay for the product right now. My God, I did watch the second half after the while got done. I did uh, tune in on Big Ten Network to watch the second half, and our our guy Corey Provis calling it. I caught the second half too. The Gophers are now three and ten in conference, fourteen and twelve overall. They're for sure going to miss the NCAA tournament and probably the NIT unless they get hot. Like, they're not going to play postseason basketball. And they were ranked top 15 in the country before the season started. Uh, so the series of events that led to their demise, well, first of all, they fell behind by 15 points in the first half. And then they cut it all the way down to one. And then it was when this sequence of events, actually, they tie, I'm sorry, they tied the game at 62. Mm-hmm. And then Nebraska makes a shot with like nine and a half minutes to go to go up 64-62. Jordan Murphy misses a layup. Nebraska comes back down the court. And in transition, Nate Mason, I believe it was Nate Mason, might have been Isaiah Washington, but one one of the guards took a swipe, knocked the ball away from a Nebraska player. It was Nate Mason, yeah. It was 100% a foul. 100% it was a foul. Mm-hmm. But Patino took issue in a game where you scratched and clawed your way back and there's nine minutes to go and it's a two-point game and you still, you're still you going to get the ball back and you know maybe you have a chance to tie it with a three or something. And Patino doesn't take issue necessarily with the call, but with the positioning of the official who made the call. Roby with the rebound off the Murphy miss. He'll raise up the floor, strip the foul. That's the right call. Uh, Richard Patino ripping off his jacket, his tie. He's about to get teed up here momentarily. And our angle here looked like there was a foul, but Richard Patino disagrees, and a technical foul was indeed called. A bad year for the Gophers, and there's a lot of things that have happened that you just didn't expect to happen in injuries and Reggie Lynch, something from two years ago coming back to haunt you here. Last night was a winnable game against an NCAA tournament team on your own home floor, and I feel like Patino getting called for a technical foul, thus then leading to the, the to, run to, by, to a two yeah. free throws and then a basket, and then Nebraska was up by six with momentum. The barn was dead. Yep. Like that directly led to their demise in the second half. Like you could have controlled that outcome more than some of the other outcomes this season. And they blew it. They blew it. The only thing that surprised me about last night's game is I saw the attendance was announced at 11,000 plus, which shocked me. I thought we'd be down to about six by now. What's the capacity there? Is it 15? It's got to be around 15. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, uh, they're still drawing some fans, and I don't know how. This is. I'm telling you, this is one of the top three times that I've watched sports in this town where my interest in, in a team, not from year to year, but from a, from a month and a half ago to now, has just been completely sapped. When they play for the most part now, I don't care. I agree. And, and a month and a half ago, I watched every game. Yeah. Like if, if there was a night that the Wild was on, like last night, I would flip back and forth. And now we're to the point where I tuned in for the second half and I thought, okay, 
but I didn't really care. I agree. It's just completely, my intrigue in that team is completely gone. It's one of the most amazing in-season collapses. I mean, it's like 2010 Vikings. It's on yeah. a short list. Of, and you've lost players. I get why, but it is just, it's really, really sad. Yeah, and the gap, you know, when you have to play guys like Michael Hurt for 34 minutes, when you have to play, you know, Jameer Harris has stepped up a little bit, knocked down a couple threes, but that guy was out there for 22 minutes last night, had no rebounds, no assists, no steals. Yeah. Didn't foul anybody. Like it was what was he what was he doing for 22 minutes? And I get he's a freshman. He knocked down a couple shots. 651-646-8255. What's up, Dan? Hey guys, how you doing? What's up? Good, man. Hey, I appreciate the gopher talk. I feel like I've been trying to vent about gopher basketball for some time with friends and there's just nobody under the age of yeah. 75 cares about gopher <laughs> basketball. So but I guess I just want your I just turned on the show, so sorry if you've talked about this, but I guess I just want your feeling on, uh, I feel like Patino's getting a pass on the fact that we have no depth at all. You know, I mean, even going into this season, we've got, you know, our, our starting five was looked great on paper, but we had no depth. So, I mean, you can't go into a season planning. Obviously, you don't plan for the winch situation, but you can't plan for everybody staying healthy. Um, so, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, he... I also feel like nobody really improves, you know. I mean, you've got Jiju and uh, Konate and just all these guys that why do you even recruit them if they, you know, they have no offensive talent and now they're like juniors and seniors and they still have no offensive talent. I mean, I remember way back to the Clem Haskins days when John Thomas and Trevor Winter, I used to watch with my dad, and I was like, these guys are garbage. Why do we recruit them, you know? And by the time they were seniors, they were, you know, Thomas was the first-round pick. And yeah. So just wondering what you guys feel about that, you know, because I feel like that's, a glaring deficiency on Patino that once again, we have a, a, a basketball coach who doesn't improve his players. I give him lots of credit for hitting the recruiting trail hard, but if guys don't improve, then it doesn't matter, you know? So thanks. thanks. Yeah. Thanks Dan. Good call. I'll take the first part. I think Patino would be getting hit hard if Lynch had been suspended and everyone else was still healthy and he, and with Lynch gone, they started to lose, which it, it would have been tough. I think we would have been very critical of Patino then. It's the amount of guys they've lost, though. You've got Lynch now suspended indefinitely. Uh, Coffee was out, came back for a couple games, I think, and, and then uh, re-injured the shoulder against Northwestern, so he's out again now. You've got so many guys out that I feel like we've gone from, if it had just been Lynch and they had, had fallen off, that there would have been criticism, to they've lost enough guys where it's gone from intrigue about the team to apathy. Yeah, and I'll take the second part of that question, which is, you know, does Patina deserve heat for not developing players? It's weird because there's some players that have absolutely developed. Jordan Murphy, in a bad team season, has emerged as one of the best college basketball players in the country. The guy averages, it's a, he's an automatic double-double every night. The guy averages 18 points, 12 rebounds, a couple assists, he blocks shots, he shoots 54% from the field. Um, like he can score and and he can do a bunch of things. Nate Mason, who dropped 34 points last night, he has emerged as one of the more reliable guards in the country. You know, he's up to 16 points per game. His scoring average has increased every single year. His three point percentage is up from 30 to 36 to 41 percent. And so, Dupree McBrayer was a dumpster fire the first two or three months as a freshman. I know that he was injured and stuff last night. You know, he's gotten better. So there, it's like the top end guys have gotten better, but then there's this other group. And this is where Dan hit the nail on the head, the caller, 
Bakari Kanate, if, if, if you're going to have a senior on your roster or yeah. a junior on your roster that's not one of your star players but more of a complimentary guy, they have to have one or two discernible skill sets that you lean on. And that's true in the NBA, too. You know what? If Cole Aldrich comes into an NBA game, is he going to be dynamic? No. Is he going to be the guy that wins you the game? No. But if he comes into a game, he's going to set great screens. He's going to grab rebounds and block shots. Like, that's what he's going to do. When Kanate comes into a game, and I, you know, I won't pick on these college kids too much, but if your guys can't come off the bench or fill in for starting players who get suspended or injured and say, all right, I'm going to do these two things very well on the court. I can't really score. I'm not going to shoot. Yep. not going to pass a lot. I'm going to block shots and grab 12 rebounds tonight, and and everyone who comes in the paint is going to feel my presence. And it's like, here's, what do you- the, here's the difference. The difference is when when you have players who uh, who start off and they're good players, your job as a coach is to develop them. If, if when it comes to uh, Kanate and Gaston, if Patino deserves criticism, it's recruiting them at all. They're just not good players. Like there's nothing to develop there. You watch them play, and they're just they're not effective. And so to me, this is not a criticism of darn it, you should have developed these two players into good players. The criticism goes back to they were poor players to recruit. Yeah, like you know, Michael Hurt is a great example where. I'll credit him last night. He did some things. You're going to start. You're going to be out there for 30 or 35 minutes. Go grab a handful of rebounds, make some good passes, play a little defense, block a couple shots. Um, all right, you, you can live with that. You're not going to get 25 points from a role player like him. Let's take one more call here on Go for Basketball. Ed, you're on Mackie and Judd. Yeah, I called in a couple months ago, was concerned about the Go for Basketball program. A couple questions. Yep. When they got Patino, I thought they were going to recruit Minnesota guys. They still don't get the Minnesota players. Ed, they, Ed, Ed, they ju- Ed, you got to bring facts when you call. I'm sorry, but they just landed for next year three of the top five in-state recruits. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't understand. Okay, thank you. Jeez, I didn't, I mean... Ed's saying like Ed gave up quickly there. I mean, they I mean, did. They landed Ed, three of the top Ed five in-state recruits. Just punted. I mean, Ed, you didn't, didn't have to punt on the call so quick. <laughs> well, you can't like you can't come in and like thump your chest and say they don't do this when okay they didn't get Trey Jones. That would be nice to get Trey Jones and then Tyus Jones before that. That would be awesome. But they did land three of the top five in-state Ed recruits, second, and Amir Coffey was Mr. Basketball two years Ed ago. Ed had a second point. So let's point. pump the brakes a little Ed on that Ed had a second take. point he just gave up on after that. I was I, like was I too mean there? bullied him out of his lunch money. I'm sorry. Yeah, then he said, I'm Oh, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, and he just threw in the towel. Was what? that was that too mean? I mean, the guy came in with steam. He came in with confidence. It wasn't mean. And you could hear it sucked out of him. <laughs> it wasn't mean so much as it was very condescending, but I thought he would shoot back. I thought he would fire back with something, and he gave you nothing. Well, uh, I the, mean, he could point out the, the in-state recruits they've missed on, the Trey Jones types. Boy. I'm sorry. Thanks, Phil. I'm sorry, Ed. Yeah, I mean, there goes another listener. He's probably not even going to tune into GL today I after that. How he feels now. about gun control. He hung with us through yesterday's show with Judd alienating people. Oh, I just don't understand it. But, I mean, that's a whole other subject. But I didn't condescend to him. I felt was condescending to him. It was, but I but I think he's called in a couple times because I remember his oh, calls. He said, yeah, he said he did. And, and the same thing happens where he'll rant about something that is completely factually incorrect. 
I mean, should always, we just let him get away with it next time? A guy can make a mistake. I, I he feel, could just point it out kindly and say, well, look, they have recruited this guy and that guy. I feel like we should have let him get both points out so at least he would have felt good about himself well, before he could, I mean, cut I, him off of the knees. The floor was still adds to talk. It wasn't. We didn't hang up on him right away. He not, just said goodbye. Not after the verbal beatdown. Oh, I think, gave him, you jerk. I think he I turned a verbal beatdown. I just delivered facts. He turned oh, his radio facts. off. My guess is he's gone for the day now. No more ad. Okay, I'm sorry. It's Reavers. Hey, hey, it's the Reavers show. <laughs> so Did you invite him in? Because I didn't invite he, he's him. He's not on enough shows already, God knows. I'm in the other room, and I'm listening to you guys, and I listen to Ed's call. You know what that was the equivalent of, Phil? This kid's studying so hard for the test. He's walking into class with his arm full of books, and you just come in and whack, and you not yeah, bullied him. Was that too mean? No, but it was hilarious. Well, it's funny This to guy you. came in with fire, and he was going to bring a piping hot sports take to the Mackey and Judge show. It was Phil karate chops those books It's funny to you, Reavers. And Ed, Ed, oh, meanwhile, is crawled back in bed right now. He's probably well, not going to get out for the rest of the day. Like, they landed, just, 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 just so I'm not out of my mind here they landed the number two oh, three matter. and four in-state recruits for next year including daniel daniel oturu from creton which star recruit number two three and four in-state recruits oh so not number one correct so ed's right we's right yes how about five six seven and eight phil <laughs> oh, you think we got three basketball players in this town i feel bad i'm sorry you should you're a bit of a jerk right now i think we should bring ed back on the show and Apologize for being so mean to him. I think Phil should take him out to lunch. <laughs> Someplace oh really God. expensive. <laughs> now I just feel terrible. Should we just do questions next? I guess. I mean, all right. I don't know where to turn from here. I'm sorry. Ed. Ed's upset. I'm We're sorry. all upset yeah, by this. We need a segment where Phil doesn't have a voice. That might be good. <laughs> Let's talk about Chris Lindahl for a second here. He's not mean. He's not a bully. You know, actually, I want to help Ed. Put your house on the market, Ed. <laughs> Chris Lindahl and myself. You're telling him to leave town. <laughs> he can, or you know what, if you're a coach looking to put a house on the market, maybe. I don't know. Chris Lindahl is the number one REMAX results team in the country for a reason. And his team, like they did for me a year ago now, can help you make twenty, thirty, fifty, maybe $60,000 more on the sale of your home. How about this for a great deal? The first two callers... Including Ed, sorry Ed, to six five one. Let me let me repeat that number to seven six three four zero one sold seven six three four zero one sold. We'll get a free staging package. This is huge value that can help increase the money that you make on the sale of your home times three five. It, it, it could be tens of thousands of dollars. Chris Lindahl, the number one Remax Results team seven six three four zero one sold. Phil Mackey. This guy is absolutely elite. It's kind of like you're looking at your brother. I didn't know who had more energy. Judd Zolgad. I even hesitate to disagree with him because he's so knowledgeable and he knows way more than I ever will. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Oh, You've I'm done so- it now. I'm sorry, Ed. Bunch I'm of Twitter sorry. responses, people siding with Ed. I was That I was too mean? That you were too mean? That, that you forced Ed to give up quicker than the Wild did on Saturday in Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> the difference there is Ed felt bad. The Wild didn't. They had the Super Bowl to go to, Judd. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm Some not going to be part of this trolling. 
No, I'm not going to do it. I am going to. I'm not going to do it. Eric said, Ed is the reason I will never call in. Laugh out loud. At least here I can hide behind my phone when I'm wrong. Pray for Ed. <laughs> Rob, Rob hates you. Phil, you're a jerk. Was it that bad? It's a down it year for, for Minnesota High School D1 prospects. So there, Mr. Well, but Radio. But that's a different argument. Hashtag support. And there's a and we just Don't, spent a segment ripping you know the Gopher what? basketball team, and I drew the line at that. Like that's not the rip isn't that they don't get in-state recruits. They got a mere coffee, and then they landed three of the top four in-state recruits. All I'm telling like, you is what the Twitter that's machine says. That's an invalid argument. And you wonder why no one listens. Stuffy Derma says. I don't think he said no that to one. said that to you. I didn't. I he said that. it to both of us. By the way, Absolutely. they were listening. So yeah, it's not. It's not no Clearly. one. And by the way, if we could pat ourselves on the back, we became the most downloaded <laughs> brand at uh, fifteen hundred ESPN in January. And we did it by being one of people. the most downloaded brands yeah. in uh, all seven Hubbard markets. And thank you to the show. audience, and we will shout all of you down if you try to call into our show with incorrect facts. All right, let's let's do questions. <laughs> well. I'm kind of worried about if I throw a question out, if Phil's just going to jump down my throat, but I'll try. Okay, oh, Irvin Santana, he's got the surgery, that's done, he's out 10 to 12 weeks. Let's just say March 1st is the day he's back. All right, March 1st, so he misses the first full month of the season. Your starting rotation at this point, if no other names are signed, if they all decide to go elsewhere, includes Jose Barrios, Kyle Gibson, Adalberto Mejia. Trevor May, Phil Hughes, uh, and we're already running low on options, and those aren't even good options for the most part. Yeah. Boys, let's bring back an oldie but a goodie. If that's your rotation for the first month of the season, the Twins are pretty screwed, (laughs) really screwed, super screwed, or super duper screwed. Uh, Um, Yeah. I'm going to say, what what was option number three? (laughs) Super. Super screwed? Right between really and super duper, yes. Um, I'm going to say that it's uh, it's not as... Here's why it's not awful. It's really bad, so it's super screwed, but here's why it's not super duper duper screwed. That wasn't an option. Just one duper. You've actually... Don't be mean to me or I'll jump down your throat. You've actually put yourself in a position with your bullpen to have a decent bullpen, Okay. So, because, you know, once you get to Gibson, it does concern me. Uh, but I do believe that your bullpen is going to be to the point now where it's certainly um, slightly above competent and it's going to be decent. So I don't think you're completely screwed because if you have to go to your bullpen, now if you have to do it time and time again, that's that hurts you for sure. But I, the bullpen is going to be an option now where you're not sweating it constantly when your relievers have to come in. So... I will say they're super they're super screwed, but they're not completely done. That's putting a happy face on something. So, Darn it. The Mackey and Judge Show put in a happy face on something. I think they're what was the, the the least amount of screwed? Pretty screwed? Pretty screwed. I think they're pretty screwed. For for three reasons. It's only one month. It's not like he's out for the season. And, you know, baseball baseball's funny in that a replacement for a guy can get hot. Like Matt Tolbert got hot for a month. You know, a replacement can get hot. And stem the tide. So if he comes back in May, it's not the end of the world. Uh, secondly, Judd mentioned the bullpen. You know, you got Addison Reed. You got uh, Trevor Hildenberger. So you've got enough guys where your starting pitching doesn't have to carry you through the eighth inning to to win a ball game. And reason number three, maybe the most important reason why you're only pretty screwed, not super-duper screwed. 
Byron Buxton is duct tape for bad pitchers. Byron Buxton, Byron Buxton was duct tape for Irvin Santana a couple times last year. So if, if he's roaming around in center field, you can put almost anybody with an arm attached to a body on the mound and have a chance to get some outs for a month until Irv comes back. And also, they're going to sign somebody. There, there's no way they go well, into the, into the yeah. season without like even Alex Cobb or somebody. They're yeah. gonna, they're, I'm pretty confident they're going to spend big money on uh, on a starting pitcher. Well, the uh, Winter Olympics have sort of officially kicked off. Well, we got the biathlon, luge, ski jumping already starting. The Olympic, uh, the opening ceremonies aren't even till Friday. Let's mm-hmm. do one of these, boys. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Judd hates the Olympics, even though his best bud, Chip Scoggins, was very happy to be heading to South Korea to cover them for a couple weeks. I'm going to take hockey off the board because that's for the most part our most of uh, the floor we most closely identify with be interested in even though there's no nhl players this year give me the top three winter olympic sports pull up a list if you need to top three winter olympic sports that if somebody said you have to go all in on you have to cover it you have to learn it you have to become this sport you would throw up the least um you know what always intrigues me just because of how much they practice and how small the margins are between first, second, third, fourth place? Luge. I mean, we're not talking about like I go down the I go down the ramp and uh, and Judd is the second best in the world and I beat you by five seconds. It's like eight hundredths of a second. And we practice for four years to make sure that our bodies don't twitch at all on turn number twelve. And memorize all the turns, right? I'm sort of fascinated by luge. Like, where do they practice? Are there just luge courses around the world? Practicing since you were a kid. It's called sledding. Right, but, like, are there official luge courses that you can go and practice at? Yeah. yeah. Where In Colorado? Are they just in the mountains? Yeah, you could find them. Like Placid? Are there there luge resorts? Oh, sure. Well, water slides would be a closer comparison to... Wisconsin Dells has them. Yes, Noah's Ark. Yeah, Noah's Ark. They freeze it. You just go down on one of those little purple mats that they put under your ass. Uh, I I would say luge or some like really obscure thing like skeleton, which is just luge on your tummy. Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. So I'd go I'd go yeah. luge on the back and luge on the on the stomach. I think that's not three, but that's good enough. Um, How about Nordic combined? <laughs> what do you combine, Phil? Just two forms of Nordic. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you want my three right now? I would love your three, Judd, because I know you're very interested in the upcoming games. I hate the Olympics. Um, <laughs> I would I would abolish them immediately if I could. Three is uh, is uh, skiing, downhill skiing, which is which is fun to watch. It's very cool. Uh, two would be bobsled, and one would be, without a doubt, curling, because curling is the perfect sport. It gives you the opportunity. You're cold, but you're inside, and you get to drink. Little Labatt's for you, maybe. Little Molson. Wh- whatever your little heart desires, beer-wise. So skiing, bobsled, and curl, or, yeah, and curling. Curling is my number one. Curling is kind of fun because you could envision yourself. Like, you could play shuffleboard and oh, stuff. Sure. You, you kind could, of envision yourself as a curler. curler. Yeah. Uh, until I'm sure if you actually were to go out to a curling club and do it, you'd probably look like a complete idiot. Uh, by the way, we have a curling podcast that people can find. 
Curling in America, Pete Fenson is a, he's a regular on one of our Hubbard North stations, KBUN. Uh-huh. And he's the color, he's the Chris Collinsworth of analysis on NBC for Olympic curling, men's and women's. And doing a podcast. And he's doing a podcast for uh for Hubbard. Really? So if you just go search either on iTunes or wherever, Curling in America is the podcast name. So if you Judd want if you like curling, it's in your I top three. Like, yeah, I do like curling. If you want to learn as much as possible. Curling in America with All Pete right. Fenson. Very cool. Yep. Final question. Let's go back to last segment's bullying episode. Phil being awfully, awfully mean to color. Tweets Ed. and texts. People just yeah. Well, let's let's take it back to the prime years of bullying then, boys. Middle school, grade school, maybe high school, whatever it is. Yeah. The meanest thing you ever did to somebody, or the meanest thing, watch well, say and or the meanest thing anybody ever did to you in the form of bullying. Let's rip off some Band-Aids, boys. You know, at St. Therese, when I was in, because it was uh, K through 8, I was actually, because I, I was the biggest kid in my class, I didn't bully smaller kids, but I, I had to fight kids. So, like, if my pals got picked on, I, I was the one. You were the recessed. enforcer for your friends? I was the goon. So you were the blue guard. Yeah, exactly. So you didn't offer a lot of value in like the actual like friend activities, but you came in and just I was insincere. Okay. I mean, I'd be like, Yeah, I'm your friend. Uh, and then they'd come out to be like, Judd, this guy hit me, and then I'd have to go fight the guy. So <laughs> he just kind of stumbles around the four square court until somebody throws the gloves down. So and then I just drop him. And I so I didn't wanna like I didn't pick on I didn't pick on kids, but I I, I would fight kids. And the toughest thing that I, I had to do was a couple of times we had, when I was like in sixth or seventh grade, we had a kid from the class above us pick on my friend. And fighting up a class is tough. That takes that takes some intestinal fortitude. Just ask McGregor. Yeah, because you get, you get the crap kicked out of you pretty easily. Um, and the meanest thing that was done to me was actually done, uh, there was in like seventh grade, there was a kid, and this hurt like hell. I went to sit down, and the kid ran up and pulled my chair out. And I couldn't stop my my momentum, and so you hit the ground. That's yeah, that that's hurts like hell. I did that to a kid once. That's really that's irresponsible. I still feel bad to this day because you can get hurt that way, and it hurt. So that was probably it, it wasn't mean as in the sense I couldn't I couldn't even the score because I think I just beat the kid up after that. <laughs> but oh. well, he was a small kid. I mean, he deserved it though. He deserved it at that point. I didn't care. But that so did hurt. you like? Did you spend a lot of your childhood just kicking other kids around? No, but like how many fights did you the win? Biggest, but I was the biggest, and I would say when I was in grade school because I didn't fight. I haven't had a fight since high school or since grade school. Um, I probably in the course of nine years that at, in in that school probably had eight to ten fights. Wow! But I mean, this is the long, what was your record? Long period of time. Well, let's see. There was the fight behind Super Value one time that was off campus. That one I got hurt in, though. That sucked because I got hit in the back that of the one, ear. Went to the judges' scorecards. Yeah, I didn't lose it, but I got. I, it was against. Uh, it was against a rival group from Deep Haven Elementary School. Oh, they're rough and tumble. At and they Haven. were well, and I got hit in the back the yeah. back of the ear. But I'd say I got in about ten fights. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was only in two fights ever. Um, well, actually, uh, probably like one one fight with the same dude. That kind of spilled over into something else. And this was Fiad class. It's the last fight I was ever in. Fiad class. I was in seventh grade. He was in eighth grade, so junior high. Yeah. And I don't know, this kid just liked to pick on our friend group. And I wasn't like a fighter. I wasn't I wasn't big like bully Judd. I was, you know, I've always been a Napoleon complex guy. And so I 
was we, it was like a basketball passing drill in FIAD class. And um, long story short, this kid kept taking our basketball and throwing it down to the other end of the gym until finally I, like the third time I finally stepped up and said, if you do that again, like blah, blah, blah. And he puts his fists up and goes, why don't you do something about it right now? Nice. And it was like a movie where you just start like, Music starts pulsating in your head like the Rocky Balboa theme. <laughs> Nothing like I put starts. this dude in a Nolan Ryan headlock, and went, like Robin Ventura style, and went to town on him until the gym teacher, it was a fill-in teacher, a substitute, broke it up. Did you get that trouble? kid never messed again. We ran into each other in college and drank together for like a semester. It was great. You earned his respect. Turned into a friendship. That's what fighting does. Exactly. Earns respect. Correct. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They got to be some tight asses, don't you think? Oh, they take <laughs> it very <laughs> seriously. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 miles. Saturday, March 24th. Bring your lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, activities for all ages, plus hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open now. All runners receive a Storm Creek long sleeve quarter zip technical pullover. Details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events in this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Metafast. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. That's right. We've got. An exact draft order now, which means the mock draft bat signal is shining over the house of Todd McShay. ESPN.com version 2.0. Dave Harrigan. 2.0. Let's find out what Todd thinks about the Minnesota Vikings picking late in the first round. Not nearly as controversial at the top as Mel Kuyper's 1.0. Don't get these confused. He has Sam Darnold, number one, over to the Browns. Then it goes Josh Rosen to the Giants. Bradley Chubb, number three, to the Colts. Saquon Barkley, four, to the Browns again. Baker Mayfield, five. But let's just skip all the way down, shall we, to the Minnesota Vikings at number 30, where they will be picking between the Jacksonville Jaguars and New England Patriots. The Minnesota Vikings are getting a golden domer, Phil Mackey. Yes. Offensive tackle, sure Notre Dame. Bust. Sure to be a bust. Mike McGlinchey. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Well, you said offensive lineman, right? Offensive tackle, yes. Mike, what do we know about? Mike, if you were to just throw out the name what do we know Mike, about Mike, McGlinchey? Mike McGlinchey, what position do you think he plays? You'd say offensive tackle. Maybe a tight end. Maybe. Could be. But for sure, like... On the line, hand in the grass. Yeah. Mike McGlinchey. Could be a long snapper. Mike yeah. McGlinchey's not a cornerback. No. He's not a running back or a wide receiver. Mike McGlinchey. He's got his hand all, in the grass. Oh, and Mike McGlinchey looks like a Mike McGlinchey. <laughs> I just called up his Oh yeah. Oh, he's he's a white guy who looks like he loves football. Meat and potatoes. Oh yeah. Lunch pail guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my this God, guy you, he does. you know what? He's you a road what? grader? Mike McGlinchey bullied kids in grade school. There's no question about it. This is a definite great school ball. Football, yeah! Football! Oh, yeah. Oh, there he is. Mike McGlinchey. Cousin of Matt Ryan. According to Wikipedia, if you believe Wikipedia. Anyone can edit that. I'm sure people are just putting him cousins with every quarterback. This is... Um, let's go back to Judd's conspiracy theory here <laughs> from the top of the show. Also, Thad Levine, we will replay the Thad Levine interview. In about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so. And Doogie with a scoop in the noon hour.